Canine Detection Collaborative, a detection dog training trio with Stacy Barnett. Hi. Robin Grubel. Hey there. And Crystal Wing. What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative! Hi, everybody. This is Stacey Barnett from Canine Detection Collaborative. And this is going to be part two with one of my favorite canine nose work, NACSW judges, Lee Laubach. And uh, last week, we heard a lot about canine judge and a lot about Lee and how he got started. And he was just so fascinating that we uh, we spoke with him for a very long time and had to break this out into two episodes. So in this episode, we are going to hear a lot about training and handling an arson canine and a whole lot more. And I can't wait to share the rest of the episode with you. But well, yeah, nose work, I watched the, the walkthroughs and, and you learn so much from that. And, and we're so lucky in the Northeast to have such great people here. Yeah. From I talk a lot to Carol and Sue and uh-huh. Karen and, and and Donna and that type of stuff. Yeah. All those folks have such huge knowledge that it's so nice to just pick their brain and kind of just not even pick their brain, but to say, okay, you put that high. How did that? You know, because yeah. yeah. you don't know. And that's something about a CEO is like you can have the best idea in the world of how that sense going to act until dog fifteen comes up and what? I yep. didn't think do that. And that's what I love about judging too, because I, I'm, then I got to kind of not to name drop one of your dogs, but you know, why, why did the dog do that? Yeah. That's what I try to get across to any of my students is that, you know, if the high height on, on the one wall and your dog's going up high on the other wall, why is he doing it? Ask yourself, handler, why is he doing it? That you can, you know, think, oh, might be a back of the high. Yeah. So yeah, dogs don't do anything for no reason. No. So that's something to kind of like, main tenet that you got to kind of understand as humans, we do a lot of stuff that we don't want to do or whatever, you know, cause we have decision making dogs are very, <laughs> of what they're going to do and why they're going to do it. So it, ask why that's what I always have to say. Yeah. hope that answers your question, your question, Crystal. I probably went on four different tangents, but. Oh, I love it. I'm just love like it. eating this yeah. all up. I love it. I know. It. I know. I know. It's amazing. I always have so many more questions. So whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The one I wanted to say that I, I remembered yeah. why we do the whole house. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank because you. Because we had a fire that was, unfortunately, we had a bunch of vacant houses that people were going in when they did whatever they were doing in there, they would set them on fire. So what happened was we, the fire was on the first floor. We went in. You had a couple alerts on the first floor where the fire was, which is fine. We went up to the second floor and then there was a pile of debris right by a window he alerts on a pile of debris. There's no fire up there at all. There's huh. some smoke damage, not really any fire, no water. The guys didn't walk up there or anything else. I threw a marker down because it was like our first three months on the job. So I'm like, all right, they told me to do the whole thing and put it down. Went out, took them outside, took the samples downstairs on the first floor, went up to the second floor and I told the fire marshal, I said, he's alerted here. I do not know why. And we started digging out. We actually found a two Deer Park water bottles filled with gasoline that were under the debris that he smelled under the debris and that we got latent prints off of to find out who was doing it. Whoa. So I would have never, ever, ever would have went up to that second floor and dug where, where that stuff was without him. So, so that's why we always do everywhere. Cause you never know where you're going to find evidence. Wow. Wow. And he, you actually got prints. That's incredible. That's incredible. You have some sort of magical ability because the question I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was if you could share a success story <laughs> that led to the conviction of an arsonist. <laughs> yeah, we have a, like I said, not only a success story, it's just like, I always try to challenge him in training. Like I always made training harder than a fire scene. Uh-huh. And our training officer, who's unfortunately passed, he used to love to try to come up with scenarios to harass judge and things. So we had, he has a Conax box at uh, the training site, the City of Allentown Academy, training academy. And it's filled with gas powered chainsaws, a whole bunch of other gas appliances. So he said, I want to see if he can find something in here. I said, well, he's going to find a lot of things in here. But he goes, no, I'm going to put a uh, a rag that I have some gasoline on. Uh-huh. I'm going to put it somewhere and see if he finds that. 
with all that other stuff. So he went around and he was like air sending around the other stuff, but there was nothing that was out of its vessel. So, you know, he had a lot of smell, but there was nothing out yeah. of his vessel. So they, he went around and he found it underneath. Uh, he had it underneath a kind of a wood chest and things like that. And he found it under there. And he goes, all right, I give up. He goes, I, 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 I was like, I did not expect him to find that at all. Wow. You know, that other smell in there, but he can discern that it was out of its vessel and it was off gassing more than anything else in there. And so he's uh, not going to alert on like a lawnmower with some residual like gasoline in there or anything or not unless it spilled out of its vessel. Like if you were very careful and things like that, like I, he would not, we did a lot of car fires and things like okay. that. And if it was out by the gas tank and things like that, you know, unless kind of it spilled out of its gas tank, right, you know, right. he would have alerted there, but he went by that. It was interesting because of the thing, but it was almost like that odor that we talked about that that's hidden. He couldn't get to source close enough and he didn't find it was, it was strong enough to do it. Most of our stuff was that we found out that they wanted us to search was interior of a car uh, because that's where an arson is going to happen. They're not going to throw it on the outside of the thing. They're going to throw it inside where, so that's what we did a lot. He had a kind of a, a, I just told my wife this story a while ago. One of uh, his weirdest things is we had a fire scene with a uh, deceased in the fi- in the car. Oh, wow. The guys go, it was like an hour and a half drive away from here. And they, they said, they'll be out of the car by the time you get here. I'm like, all right. That's fine. Well, I, we pulled up, and when I pulled up, I saw they weren't out. Oh. And the guy goes, Oh, I'm sorry, the coroner's late. I'm like, Well, judge is going to have a surprise. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. Because he couldn't see from where he was. You know what I mean? And the doors are, are open. So we're coming yeah. from the front. So I got my food pouch on. He knows we're going to work. Open it up. <laughs> and the seek goes around. He went around the door, and he's like, You know, he's got his happy tail, things like that. Lab. He stopped dead in his tracks and goes, What is that? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I was like, seek. And he's like, okay. And then he kind of, but it was just a startle to him because he's never really saw one in a car. We've done a lot of, we went to every fatal fire, even if it wasn't arson, just to rule it out. Right, Uh, right, right. He's he's had a sniff a lot of bodies before. Yeah. But this one was just weird because it was just in a different context that kind of, just like anything, you know, you've seen (laughs) dogs before. Now, if he would ever went to another one and and saw, he wouldn't have startled them as much. But they learned from just that one kind of experience. Wow. It didn't never even really occurred to me. I mean, so I'm thinking about the well-being side. Yeah, go go for it, Crystal, because right now my mind's going. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about the well-being side. How do your dogs react to like the stress and the intensity of the fire scenes? Do you like how do you take care of that, or do they just seem to not be bothered? Seemed, or? No, it just seemed like a almost kind of like unfortunately firefighters do. We kind of like kind of disassociate ourselves with it. Kind of it's the only way of kind of coping at times with uh-huh. certain things. But the dog kind of just thinks it's a training. Yeah, you know, okay. they, they just, you try to make training as real life as possible. Yeah. We're lucky enough that we're not usually coming in when the emotional impact's there. We might be an hour after the fire's out. So a lot of okay. that, those folks are kind of like away. So really the emotional kind of component is not there. Yeah, okay. And if we're there early, we're going around the crowd and things like that. So we're not really in tune with the emotional part of it. Gotcha. When there was deceased pets, kind of freaked them out a little bit in the building. That kind of probably kind of took them aback more than anything. So we usually got them out before he went in. That just kind of took him off his game. I mean, he still worked, but it kind of just, yeah, it was just, you could just tell it was just weird for him. So he was just like, he still went around that area kind of gingerly and kind of like different than than he's ever done it before. But other than that, that's the only thing that, that really changed with him. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the only, it's it's a it's a great question as far as that goes, but I didn't see anything, and I've never like we'd go to mm-hmm. research. We had a big research in Washington D.C. when they unveiled the they made a a beautiful statue, bronze statue of um, an arson canine handler and a canine, mm-hmm. and put it down in front of uh, I think it's Station Two in Washington D.C. Oh. But so they wanted all of us down there for the dedication, so they made a research down there, and they said that the only research that year is going to be down there. So there was a hundred. Oh wow! Oh, we did it like. We split it up in two different, like an A and a B group. So there was like a hundred and some dogs, the A group and a hundred and some dogs, the the B group. So there, that hotel saw a lot of labs. That, that <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but um, so I was just thinking about the bond that you talked about, you know, and just, I could just see it, but it makes sense because you're going a little bit later when the people aren't as involved and the emotions aren't as high. Cause I was thinking, you know, as a dog picking up on the people's emotions and, you know, and working through that. So that's, that makes a lot more sense. Right. Yeah. 
I do have a question. Just it popped up. We were just talking about actually recently how there are some uh, human remains dogs that like, during the little bit of selection, like there's some dogs that just like freak out over human remains. I accidentally, it's a long story, but I accidentally searched a crime scene area accidentally in Canada with Judd and he freaked out. And we were talking about how some dogs were just freaked out over the smell of human remains. And I can imagine that if you had like, like an arson dog that, I mean, do the arson dogs have to be as part of their training before they're put in a service, be exposed to human remains to make sure that they're not averse to it or because there's a way around it for arson dogs like so okay so if we had a dog that just was very weirded out by human remains we would take kind of the whatever usually gas won't soak in the skin or they could do that with the autopsy that type of stuff but the clothing we could take off and put it in a lineup kind of thing uh, for the dog to go over if the dog was freaked out by human remains yeah i have not heard and i'm sure there's one or two out there but like in we usually have a pretty close knit group that mm-hmm. if there's anything happening in our area that to watch out for, like there was a, a pretty fun one down in when the housing crash happened, when people were kind of starting to house on fire to, cause they were upside down in their mortgage. And that oh type of, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. Especially happened in the Southeast, like in the South Carolina area and things like oh, that. Wow. What they were doing was they would hire this guy to pretend he was roofing. He would pretty much drill a hole in the roof that would be going down a wall cavity. And then they would pour the gasoline in there and then set it. And then, like, remember I said, the dog can't get the source. So if the wall doesn't break open, the dog could smell it there, but all of them were coming back negative because he couldn't oh. get the source. Wow. So until they only found this out because one big-headed lab wanted to go to source, he knocked it into the wall and it was... Oh, <laughs> and he went and got it. And then it all came to it. It all got spread around that, that hey, if, if your dog's learning on a wall and or near a wall and you take it out for a confirmation sample and it comes back negative open the wall up and see wow so it's kind of like that layering effect but kind of more like a vertical on a side yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i just love the visual of big headed lab i just i, I know i know that. i'm like, I'm like from canada big-headed oh. lab from canada. Yep. i could see it as soon as you said it i'm like yes yes yeah i'm like <laughs> why am i not surprised why am i not surprised? Yeah, I think it was, like, we only have and we only have I think there's about two, there's always roughly around 200 in the United States and Canada certified arson dogs. Probably I can name five chocolates. They're usually either really? yellow, but it was a big headed chocolate that did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I less surprised? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so they're, they're usually black and yellow with the, yeah. 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 And probably about 65, 35 black. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, like, there's fewer yellows. Anyway. Well, exactly, and that's that's the reason there there are yeah exactly yeah. fewer yellows. Yeah, there, there's just genetically yeah yeah, and and yellows are definitely special <laughs> for sure. And I'm using that word in a lot of different contexts. <laughs> they are. I'm thinking are. about you know after you're searching, how do you like? Do you have to decon the dog and oh, yeah. like oh like, what's the how do you handle that? Usually, we had like a system which I, I can't think they like they always had a an engine or a pumper standing by so we could gross decon him when he came out, which was nice. And the guy stayed by. People got me this great kind of, it looks like a huge, big gulp kind of mug kind of thing that has bristles in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Take his paws and just jam him in there and get his back clean. Yeah. And then once I kind of grossly deconned him with like water and got most of the crap off him, he was never a big licker, so I didn't have to worry about him like kind of like licking his paws or that type oh, of stuff. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Some other guys had that more concern but with judge i didn't have to but what we did then is one of the fire departments we used to do a lot of work for they actually bought him a tub and we put the tub at our central fire station and when every fire scene we'd come back and give him a bath so that boy got a lot of baths for just time. <laughs> well, another reason I like labradors right they... <laughs> well well i got a labrador that doesn't like to swim really oh, i uh, call that a land lavy well he does he likes to he likes to go up to his chest and walk around in the water yeah. But, and that's why I was great on the water treadmill when he was re, rehabbing. Yeah. He was he loved that part. Plus, it was peanut butter in front of him. So that, <laughs> that, 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 that he would have walked till he fell over. So, um, oh my gosh! But he, yeah, there, I think there's something on the web his website about that. But, but uh, we we had a research in South Carolina, and once he passed research, we went out to the ocean. Uh-huh. Let him, you know, go thing. I thought, well, maybe he'll do it in the ocean. Now, went out oh. to 
just so no. they could walk around and had fun. And there's a dog from Ocala, Florida, running around in the water, doing everything. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> good, have fun out there. I'm, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love a, a land lobby. I love it. Absolutely love it. What do you find is like your most, what was, what was your most rewarding part about your role as a nurse and dog healer? I think probably was just the kids' faces that we did the uh, programs for and just the, hey, we can do this with a dog. And just that that shows how a dog can be part of your inner family. And, you know, I was brought up like that. So, but not everybody's brought up that dogs are like that close and part of your family. And I think having that special job and and knowing that he's an officer and kind of, you know, wears a uniform and and that type of thing and, and how to treat people and think that that was probably the most important. Just seeing kids light up when he would come into the room and, and do a demonstration and, and that type of stuff. And then I think just overall, just the I'd say the general happiness that he brought, you know, what I mean to everybody as far as that goes. Just like happiness to me as his handler, you know, and everybody's like, well, you should be getting paid more. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. <laughs> I just love doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, ten o'clock at night. If I was up late for a football game or something like that, I'm like, all right, let's go out and throw some things out, and we can put down. We worked at ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Or if one of my older goldens or something like that had to get up, thing, I would take him out and he'd go out and do work and that type of stuff. And and that's the thing. It was never work. It was fun. And that's that's kind of like I think what. Unfortunately, you see two type of canine handler at a time, and this is in the professional side, but one's that doing it as a job and the other one's doing it as a career. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and, and one's doing it for the general love and one's doing it for the paycheck. And I, I see the ones that are doing it for the love are have such a better outcome of everything as far as quality of career to finding what they need to find because they're willing to put in the time to do what's necessary for the dog to be you know, successful. Yeah. So. yeah. Along with that, can you think of one of those memorable or kind of heartwarming moments you've experienced with working with your dog that you'd like to share with us? Like in a demonstration or that type of stuff? Any, whatever comes to mind. Anything. Yeah. There's oh. no wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm trying to think so many. I would just say there's, what's he doing? Oh, probably one of the coolest ones I would say is that they had an arson issue down in a county next to ours. And they were, people were getting upset about it and things like that. And they started out by burning those huge kind of rolls of hay and things like that, which are, I didn't know, but they're like ten fifteen thousand $15,000 a piece because they, it's a quality, whoa, because whoa. They, they form a lot of feed for the animals and stuff like that. So burning those is not just like burning a haystack. That's a oh, lot of money huge. that they were burning. Yeah. So they actually had these kind of older teens and they, they put all their clothes out in the police lineup kind of thing and put them down he found it there and then because they found it there we had to wait an hour they got a search warrant then we did their car he jumped in there in their trunk and actually went to the back of their trunk and found remnants back there then we got a search warrant for their house and, and found it so it put it all together in one night which was the coolest thing and, and wow just the wow. surprise from police because police and fire don't always get along <laughs> we kind of work together because we have to, but but we do, do, things, do, do things differently. Yeah, and kind of having that that first two years of him showing what he can do, especially because like what he replaced was the Pennsylvania State Police had an arson dog, but he retired like a month before Judge went into service. And when they called me, they said, "Well, we're not going to get another one. Would you do the fire scenes?" I said, "Yeah, sure." He has to work, mm-hmm. so you had to kind of break through that wall of this is a police dog, even though he's a law enforcement canine. Yeah. So that one, and then just my proudest moment that he was his, he never was, he always wanted that kind of like independent dog, but I needed like one little bit of obedience because when we went to California for the arson dog, he had in the middle of Philadelphia airport, our friends in TSA, uh-huh. I guess he was carrying a bomb or something. Oh. So, so he had to sit in, you know, those scanners that go whirling around you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I had it with a dog that's friendly, loves everybody, and yeah. to sit in that thing, be steady, and all these people are looking at him and while this thing whirled around with him. Oh and my gosh. Sat in there and I had to take everything <laughs> off him, all his collars, harness, and everything else. Oh and my he's sitting there like a pro, right? Well, in there. That's my boy. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that those are some of our best memories or the things that it's, yeah, kinda, it's just, it's, a, just a little thing. And yeah. just, but that I just, because you know, as a dog person, how hard that is for a dog. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In an unfamiliar area with all yeah. these fresh people I've never met before. Yeah. And I, I love everybody. You know what I mean? So I want to go see everybody. <laughs> Such a bizarre um, thing to have to go through. <laughs> and then, yeah. I mean, I don't even like saving that thing, whatever. Yeah. You know? so, right. 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 Oh my gosh. Oh, what a good pup. He <laughs> yes, was a good pup. He did a good pup. So speaking of pup, I saw yes. Boo. Yes. Oh, you saw Boo, huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about your puppy. Puppy is, fortunately, we had a bad summer. We had a bad summer with, we lost two of our girls this summer. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. So Judge was a little down and we were lucky enough through Lisa, actually, Woodward, uh-huh. said, I seen this pup and, and you know you think that this happened at the right time and yep. went down and saw him. And we went down because we've always had, for the exception of our first golden and judge, we've always had girls, um, okay. girl pup. And uh-huh. so we went down with all intentions to get a girl pup. Yep. This guy just came up there and kind of like, no, you're taking me home. <laughs> you know, he just kind of stole the show and he had that big nose like Judge. So I was like, all right. And then he just kind of sold himself to us. So we brought him home and Judge was kind of a little taken aback a little bit. Uh-huh. But then this, after our, our golden past, he mourned like a day and then he just like became puppy Judge again. And he's been playing with them. He's been taking toys. He's been things. And, and unfortunately, he got diagnosed with uh, inoperable issue with his abdomen that we don't know how much time left he has but the last month and a half two months we've had boo pretty much he's been happy and things like that he actually i started boo on boxes already okay yep primary my wife's gonna handle him that's so great so that's so great he didn't know what to do with boxes so it was funny it was like so put boxes out and i throw some uh-huh. kind of crack for dogs saint rocco's treats you know what i mean so uh-huh. i put uh-huh. that in there and boo's like kind of like eh, i'm kind of going Judge got up from wherever he was, smelled the, the food. He goes, man, I had to look for accelerant. There's freaking food in boxing. So he goes in and ate everything out of the box. And he was like, oh, that's what we do? And now we become super foodie. So I throw it from anywhere and put it in. And he's like independent all over the place. So. Oh, that's so funny. So Boo is learning nose work from an arson dog. That is yes. the coolest yes. thing. <laughs> it's really great. I love watching them play. Like it just melted my heart. Oh, yeah. Like, Oh, please keep sharing those videos because it's. Oh yeah, my wife yeah. always does. She, she wants to. Like I said, wherever time I was left to have the the good, yeah, the good videos and things like that. So yeah, stuff, sad stuff out there. I have a little bit of positive stuff. So. I love it. <laughs> absolutely amazing! Absolutely amazing. So I'm curious if there's somebody out there that is thinking, "Wow, this really sounds fascinating." I I think I'd want to try to be an arson dog handler. Like, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Well, definitely, if you if. I think it'd be an advantage to do nose work. I mean, I really didn't know about this whole world until like Sarah Woodruff told me about it and kind of like got me into it Yeah, and how close it was. I'd say that one, you have to be a dog lover and a dog understand that when you have that responsibility of being one of only a few dogs, even though there's 10 or 12 across the Commonwealth, that's still not enough. As far as that goes, you're going to be called out at all hours. You're, you're going to have to unfortunately set that, and that's what I kind of told my wife is like, okay, we're getting a dog for the next 10 years. I might not be here at Christmas. I might not be that type of stuff. Are you okay with that type of thing? Yeah. And that you have to go have all that kind of thing in the background first. But you have to, to get one of the certified dogs, certified arson dogs, you have to be in a department that does investigations, fire investigations. Yeah. And then you can put into the ATF or the state farm to get one. And then you have to kind of prove your case. You have to show that there's an arson dog problem. There's not an arson dog within a county that could respond. Or it's such a problem that the other dog just so busy that could respond, that type of stuff. So you just got to prove your case. And also it's good to kind of um, be an investigator to understand, I think, what the dog's doing and why. It's a kind of a dual-edged sword when you're an investigator. You're, you're kind of, I've always thought when I didn't have a dog, it's like, okay, they probably poured it there. But it's good to have that knowledge that they might have poured it there, but hey, it might be over here too, because just like anything that this is a little bit different than, than kind of like a birch thing that's not going to move, when you spray water on an accelerant, oh, yeah. So you could have it over here, but you right, put float. water yeah. and it just went over that way. So yeah. that's why it's over there and not over there. And so you can't be 
so single-mindedly as an investigator thinking that, well, it's got to be there, but it does help you in respect. So you just have to have that kind of mental kind of picture that it could be anywhere because of, and you can reason it out. Why? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the biggest thing that I could say about being an arson dog handler. They do have some on the private side Uh that you can get your pup. And I know I did a couple jobs privately afterwards, but like I said, after his injury and stuff like that, and he was getting older, I didn't want him getting around fire scenes. I'm like, all right, no, we're not doing that. And, but, but like, you know, you do it on the private side, you don't have that certified behind your name. So you have to get it confirmed by the lab, the crime gotcha. lab. So you, you're acting like, I mean, you're quick, quicker than any kind of, kind of utensil or whatever you're going to use or equipment you're going to use. Some guys have them. And one guy that worked with me a lot, actually, as on the private side, was a former state fire marshal. Um, okay. He had one of his own that he trained, you know, got trained and things like that. He's a good pup. So sometimes if if there's no dog in the area that he goes to, he uh-huh. can use him, which is good. Okay. It seems like it'd be tough outside of the fire department to be able to get into that world. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. is it possible? Yeah, in the fire, in the fire, or it depends on what state you're from. Like, it depends on who does the fire investigation. So in the Pennsylvania, it's mostly the fire departments that do all the fire investigations, with the exception of the state fire, state fire marshal, which is state police. Uh-huh. Down in South Carolina, where my buddy is worked for Charleston and things like that. That's mostly all, except for the municipalities, a lot of the, the state or police have jurisdiction on fire investigation. So it depends on where you're from of where the dog kind of ends up. So okay. like in Delaware, a lot of my, couple of my friends are in Delaware, close friends and, and the Delaware State Fire Marshal Office has the whole arson canine unit. Oh, a whole unit? Yeah, they have they had three dogs, two dogs, two dogs. I mean, Delaware's not that big, so they had two dogs. Okay. And two of my buddies had them, so they covered mostly everything in Delaware. There's some caches like Florida. Florida has the Florida State Fire Marshal's office has ten dogs, has ten arson dogs. Okay, that's a big state. Wow. It's a big state, but you have so you have a combination of there. They have Florida State Fire Marshal's office has ten dogs, but like Ocala, Florida has a dog. Okay, uh, Orlando has a dog. That type of stuff. So you have municipalities that have dogs. And then everywhere else that's not kind of incorporated, the state fire marshal takes care of. Okay, okay, okay. So there's more than 10 dogs in Florida. Oh, yeah. In Florida? Doing... 25 or 30 dogs, I think, in Florida. So, so the moral of the story is don't start fires in Florida. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of dogs in Florida. A lot of dogs in Florida. A lot of... Yeah. So listeners, if you're listening and you're an aspiring arsonist, yeah. Yeah. don't go to Florida. No, there's one. In, there's one in every Commonwealth, and there's one in or one in every state, and there's uh, one in every, I think, province in in Canada as well. Wow. So, as an aspiring arson dog handler and not arsonist, <laughs> right, right, right. If you were to want to think about the day to day, it means you would need to either get into the police or into the fire areas, depending on the state, right? You need to find that out. Yes. Okay. Yes. And what what is the day to day then like? What does that look like? I'm just curious. Pretty much the day-to-day is we always did what we call basics first. Like, So they were big on making the day start off positive for the dog and making the day end positive for the dog. So we'd start off with basic, which was pretty much simply a uh, can of, I'd put a drop or two of accelerant in it. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of like put it behind my back, hide it, go to the thing, he'd alert, give him a handful of food, do that maybe five or 10 times. I'd always change it. Sometimes you do it twice. Sometimes you do it 20 times. Uh-huh. He has to get his breakfast. So Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like his, his start <laughs> off to the day. We did it. We didn't do it always at 6 a.m. We did it like we might do it like, say, I couldn't sleep or something. And I got up at 3 or whatever. And we did it yeah. at 3. Oh. And then we, uh, whatever the day had planned, like if I was busy with meetings, I always took out some time and went over to the academy, had put drops. We had a five-floor training tower. So that was nice that we... I'd put drops on the tower. I'd put it outside. I'd put it inside. I, I wanted to always experience weather conditions. So depending on when it was cold and things like that, how yeah. it would, I'd put a drop and then I'd put water on top of it and freeze it to see if he would be able to detect it if we went over a, a frozen scene. And then I would and kind of talk to my other fire marshals or talk to my uh-huh. buddies and say, come up with some scenarios and let's try it and see where it goes. And, and then kind of you you kind of Monday morning quarterback of what went right, what went wrong, and what do I need to practice more on? 
and, and kind of that's how we always the day to day was. And like I said, it was we trained. If you looked at my logs, it's like six to seven times a day, probably the first three years at least, wow. because. I had to get four cups of food into them and I couldn't just do it. I'm picturing I'm like the quantity of training. Yeah, the quantity of training was it was crazy. And I still did probably even at the end of his career, we still did probably four times a day, probably, just to kind of like and he was down to two cups of food at that time. And we what was nice about it is our we always went we were only a mile away from my vet. So Uh on the way to work or whatever, we would stop there like either once a week or once every two weeks. I'd weigh him. <laughs> I was going to say the more work he has, you know. Well, exactly. And I had it. Like the first, the first thing yeah. is like he got. He's like, like he had a lot of fire. That's like, the thing up the up the you know up the up the thing on him. And then at the end of his career, it was like, okay, you can settle down a little bit. He's he's thing. I still have a great story about yeah. my vet. Loved him, and he. I brought him in for a checkup or something, and he was like a pound over. They always wanted him between like seventy one and seventy three pounds. Uh-huh. So he was like seventy four or something. Uh-huh. Doc goes, oh, he's 74, so you're going to have to bring him down a little bit or take him for some extra walks. I said, okay, that's fine. Uh-huh. And the Doc keeps giving him biscuits. <laughs> I said, Doc, you're defeating the person. Ah, oh, you can start tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, my God, that's great. Oh, I love your vet. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's good. And unfortunately, when we had that bad diagnosis, when he came in after the x-ray and he had a tear in his eye, I was like, oh, I'm that's just gut wrenching. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was a sucker punch that I, I didn't expect. I, I mean, I thought I was going to be because he does have that the laryngeal uh, paralysis a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, the Labrador. Yeah. Really so he has that a little bit, and I thought it was just. I just wanted to make sure it was that, not anything else. And we checked out. He goes, "Yeah, he probably still has that. He still has, or he has that." Yeah, his heart sounds really good. He said, "I'm just going to do an X-ray to to kind of make cover all the bases." I said, "Okay." I was happy as yeah. could be because I that way. The heart's good, everything else. Yeah. And he came back with, he goes, we got a problem. And he had a tear in his eye. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's oh. not what I expected. But sometimes it's like, maybe don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, it was nice that I'm glad he did tell me. Yeah. But yeah. but now is the case of trying to treat him. His dogs are so perceptive of yes. how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, yes. So I got to try and, and uh, tell my wife that not, we want to make him comfortable, but don't make him think that something's different. Right. So that's why Boo is very good about that because Boo knows that I got nothing to do but play. So Boo's doing Boo things and he's keeping him kind of occupied while we kind of worry over the corner while he's doing that. So, but, but like I said, every day is a blessing we have him. So I never, they always say 10 to 12 years with um, a pup that worked as much as him and being at 14 and a half were um, extremely, extremely lucky. And I think maybe that's where a misconception or a myth that I think I had of maybe arson dogs was that they maybe wouldn't live long lives because I thought that they encounter so many chemicals and so much. It just, it hit me that they probably don't live that long. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, you know, the poster boy of like, they do live long, but they did a study because there was a bunch of like, when if they first came in, they kind of first became popular in, in about 93. Okay. So it was kind of a newer field for dogs, but especially since they're food reward dogs and they got to smell accelerants multiple times a day. Yeah. yeah. Their food, they're like, well, they're, it's a carcinogen and all that other right. stuff. Uh-huh. The pen vet and a bunch of people did tests on it. And if we did that, it would be problematic because we live longer. They say, and I, oh. it's always like an outlier. I mean, dogs do get cancer and things like that, but yeah. A form that they would get from, at least this is what they told me. I am not, I don't have PhD behind my name or anything like that. What they said was that the cancer that would come from sniffing that all the time does not have a chance to metastasize to be a problem Uh, in their lifespan. Gotcha. Fascinating. That's just from people that were way smarter than me that said that. And I just, it makes sense. Kind of gospel and kind of went went from there. You know what I mean? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really research it any further. And kind of like I said, most of my buddy's dogs have lived very long and fruitful lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 14 is a great life. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially for a 14's great for any dog, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Any dogs these days, for sure. Do you think, are there any other misconceptions or myths that you know about arson dogs that, you know, you want to clarify or anything else you've heard? I think that they're so kind of like, they're, they're not, they're still such a well-kept secret, I think. 
that you, you don't have a lot of the, and it's, it's such a close kind of fraternity of folks that uh-huh. a lot of social media kind of like things go out, but one person puts something out that doesn't like something or, or whatever. And all of a sudden that spreads into its own kind of viral kind of moment. Yeah. I don't think we have that. I think our community is so small and people don't kind of know about it too much that I don't think a lot of things have spun off as far as false information about them. Yeah. Way to stay off the radar. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the best thing is like, and like I said, when the, the one teenager we caught, judge is sitting there salivating next to him and he goes, he likes me. I'm like, yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... <laughs> You know, there's one thing I just shake my head. I'm going, oh. uh-huh. <laughs> you don't even know what he's you don't even know why he's doing that. Yeah, oh exactly. yeah. But look, he wants me to give him a cookie. Look how he's he wants, doing. Yeah, he wants a cookie yeah. too. He'll, he'll take a cookie uh-huh. for sure. But yeah, <laughs> but he still wants his payment for for that. And, and I kind of, I've kind of used that in my training too. As far as I always say, Stacy, from you want your dog to kind of be on source that you're confident to say alert. Right. So. Right. I would say you want to make your dog a union dog that he's not going to move off source until he gets paid. <laughs> so I've used that probably more times than I could shake a stick at, but it's true. I mean, because if you want to call alert and I should, as a judge, be almost be able to say alert because I can yeah. see that they're kind of there and on, on point, but where I see people like, I know powder, I think kind of or, or prize might be one that kind of like stays there for a second, but, but you call alert. And then they're on to something else because oh, that's you have, powder. Yeah. That's yeah. powder. So, you know, but you know what they're kind of things. And that's why I always talk about bond. Like I could never, if I didn't have that bond, good story about bond. Okay. Uh-huh. Ooh, I'm always up for one of those. Go. I know, right. Okay? <laughs> so, it was a learning experience for myself and Sue Fritch. Okay. <laughs> Sue had a trial, the trial that I volunteered at. Okay. That I was. Oh, there. oh, the one that, that we were just at. Yeah, we were just at. Okay. Oh, so yeah, yeah. two weeks before that. Sue didn't know if she had enough volunteers. Okay. So Obi got in the trial. So she was worried that she would have to volunteer. And she goes, uh-huh. can you run Obi to me? <gasps> really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll run Obi. Yeah. So we did a little training session a couple of weeks before that. Went in. Obi kind of went out, did his two, found two hides. I gave him his, his reward. And then he kind of caught on that it was me, Uncle Lee, the fun uncle. And not Sue, given the working relationship person. So he comes up, sits on my foot, and was like, I want love and I don't want to search. Oh boy. <laughs> we don't have we don't have that working bond. Right, right. You know? So I was like, Sue, I will volunteer. You go work Obi. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. So because it would have been a trade wreck, because we yeah, didn't yeah. Uh, maybe if I worked them um, multiple times for a couple months or something like that, we would have had that working relationship. But but that's what I'm saying. I'm like, nobody can work your dog as good as you can. She ended up doing a really nice job with it. Exactly. She, yeah, yes. yeah, she really she missed did. That one in the the cabin one. So oh, in the cabin. Okay, it was problematic, but she actually she actually got her elite title. So yeah, yeah. You actually, I was the judge's steward for the for Andy, and you were there with Karen. Yeah. And there was you would have loved the interior that they used. It was this long interior. It was like it's kind of like they had to work like in a loop. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw the the, the walkthrough of it. Yep. Yeah, the walkthrough. That had, and I know we're kind of a little bit of off topic, but we're talking about this this trial. You were talking about like airflow and how things can work very differently. Mm-hmm. I came out of there and I said to Sarah, I said, that building would have been really difficult if it wasn't raining. I'm like, these these people are so lucky that it was raining because it had like this tin roof and it was like a peaked tin roof with a partial height wall that went all the way down the middle. And there were three hides in there. It just would have been would have been insane. I was just yeah. so you you were you talking the, the the sun beating down on that tin roof. What it what it did to the yeah. The, and I'm the, just sitting there going, oh, they're so lucky it was raining. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a very that was a really cool trial. And that's another thing I, I've seen from judging is like you got to understand your weather conditions. And, oh and yeah, it does. I mean, even the yeah. simplest as far as cold and I think we had a a outdoor search last December that was snowing and it was you know how pretty much odor goes through. It was on in a milk crate okay yeah. milk crates have all those air and it should that really should disperse everywhere yeah yeah but since it snowed it was that heavy wet snow early you get in december oh. it made like a cap over the thing the odor oh. stayed right there and if wow. you didn't take your dog close enough to that thing because you're going down like set of 
not steps, but like a ramp. Okay. And if you didn't, it's one of the Newfoundland trials from December last year. If you see it, you know, the oh, walk, okay. Okay. It, it, the, the thing was right on your right. But if you didn't see that and you didn't take your dog past that, and you kind of discounted that whole kind of yeah. we're going down a ramp. It's not going to be on a ramp or it's going to be yeah. on a railing on the other side. That's where I can see the one people that are think that they're smarter than the dog. Uh-huh. I know where it is and the dog doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see the people that, oh, it's got to be on the railing. There's no uh-huh. way it's going to be there. Um, plus, I don't see any dog prints over there, so I'm not going over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it kept it like almost like a teepee. It kept that odor right there. Wow. You know, as soon as the dog got close, it got within a couple inches of that milk crate. Uh-huh. Bam, they hit it. But if you didn't get over there, it stayed right there. So you got to understand your weather conditions. Do you, do you remember what level that was? Was it three, I think? And to be three. Yeah. I think it might have been three. Okay. Positive it was three. Yeah. 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 No, I'm just, I'm just more, just more curious, but it's just, yeah. yeah all, like all of these experiences, it's really just going to make you just an amazing CO. I'm like super stoked that. Well, that's all learning experience too. There's a lot of amazing CEOs out there that I'm, I continue sure. to learn. That I kind of like look at it and kind of, and I love that this fraternity around here is so uh-huh. eager to answer questions and, and kind of like impart their wisdom, which that's what I love about this whole kind of, I love what I did for 30 years, but I really totally enjoy this because the people are just so awesome to work with. And, and they're like, yeah. well, don't worry about giving up your weekend. I'm like, this is not giving up. I'm anxious. This what <laughs> I'm looking field. forward like, to. <laughs> yes, I'm going to fish field this weekend. You know what I mean? And seeing the folks up there and, and enjoy the successes. And like I said, if they're, I love it when the dog might not be successful. I mean, they preached it to us all the time that dogs can have an off day just like you have an off day. Yep. Yeah. You can't tell us, but just chalk it up. Okay, well, we'll get them tomorrow. You don't win them all, but you have to be happy. Yeah. One of the other things our trainers always said was you got to give them kind of their thing, like a 13 year old cheerleader. They're like, can you imagine state cops yelling at us going, <laughs> will you yell like a 13 year old cheerleader? <laughs> My voice don't go up that high. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you have to really give them praise. They really excel. Dogs really excel like that. Like I said, if you had a, a search, you didn't find anything. I love the people and I've given pronounced to people that find one out of the four hides, but really worked. Pronounced to me is, is teamwork. Yeah. And, it's not the fastest dog. It's not the the dog that just gets everything. I mean, that, that's a part of it. But uh-huh, uh-huh. people that I see, and in my opinion, I mean, it's the only kind of thing that I have any kind of leeway in of uh-huh. or not. And that's what I I kind of love to do is give a pronouncement. And they might say, "Why did you get all the hides afterwards?" And I always kind of try to stay for the debriefs afterwards. So when they come up to me, I can give them an explanation. And they're like. Look, you worked well with your dog, and just because you didn't find that hide, it might not have been available for that dog at the time. It might have had a, we don't know, with interior air currents, HVAC system might have went on in the back and pulled the odor somewhere else when he went through. Yep. Yeah. Little dog versus big dog. Yeah. Little dog. Yep. I mean, yeah. yeah. Little dogs, I saw there was a little dog in the last trial. Yeah. Smoke every lab, every shepherd, <laughs> every. That dog was. Yeah. That one. I saw a chihuahua and a papillon that smoked. I mean, that dog was like... That's so great. That's what I love about it, too. He, they come in all shapes and sizes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You, know, you, you see Ashland's big old St. Bernard's come lumbering through, and they uh-huh. just like, when they have change of behaviors, they're very noticeable when they have a change of behavior. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have Stacy's dogs go flying, and like I had to have track shoes. Thank God I got a hip replacement so I could keep up with their dogs. <laughs> You know, hobbling from one side of the other to the other was a little <laughs> difficult for two years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That people are always like, how did, how'd you, there was a comment on the line handling. And, and I told somebody today or the other day, I was, I have the rubber lined leash. I had to go through like three of them a year. You know, <laughs> the I, rubber I, I, just wears right off of them. You oh know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just imagine you hear that. Vroom! You know what I mean? Like, you know, that, <laughs> yes. like a fishing pole. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was just like, I've yeah, said a couple of times when I see other labs that are like, I'm like, is that a Stacey Barnett dog? <laughs> oh my God. God. It's too funny. Yeah, but, that's too funny. That's too funny. But oh my goodness. So, so Crystal, what you have anything on your on your list? I want to make sure that oh, we... I always have lots of questions. But... Yeah, I know. I know. I, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We're taking so much of your time already. I just appreciate it so much. We're talking dogs. We're talking dogs. I know, man. I can just talk dogs all day. Oh my gosh. The one thing we always like to do is do takeaways at the end. And we kind of go back and just think about all the things we've talked about. And we let you go last. So that way you get a chance to think about it. And Stacey, do you have any takeaways that are really kind of pressing for you? I do. I do have a takeaway. And for me, it was just so amazing to see how all of your experience is so... I'm so excited to see you even more entrenched in the nose community as you congratulations on your upcoming retirement, because the more and more we can get somebody like you with your experience. I mean, I know you're already entrenched, but like we, we want more of you. I mean, really. <laughs> so, and it was just so fascinating to me to see, to listen to a lot of the similarities and how all the experience that you have, how it's so, even to the point of volatile substances and everything. It's just it I was just fascinated this entire discussion. And I just want to say I really love the passion that you bring to the sports side also and how amazing and just listening to clearly the love that you have with your dog is I am so touched and it, it's and I'm sure everybody who's gonna be listening is also gonna be touched. So that's my takeaway. One of the things that stuck in my head was when you said on the start line, you can tell the dog says, nope, there's nothing here. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the visuals that you've created in my mind too, of truly what it takes to be an arson dog handler and the service that you provided. And primarily as an Uber right here, but (laughs) (laughs) the the driver. yeah. 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 Just the amazing amount of training and dedication you've put into your dogs and the love and that bond that, and how you describe the bond, even as how you read your dog. And I think some people don't appreciate that fact that the people that do have that connection, but they don't realize that that's also part of the relationship and the bond is that they, they can read their dog. And so I think sometimes they, they think this bond is a magical thing. And I, I like how you demystified that a little. And yeah, again, to that passion and so happy and thankful that you're in the nosework community now. Mm-hmm. So look forward to hearing more stories, you know, about how you impact a new retirement community that you're <laughs> that you're in. It's like the what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. Everything canine. Everything canine. <laughs> My biggest takeaway is is just that. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on this program. I love talking dogs. Anytime you ever want me to come on or or whatever, just talk. Oh, please do. Offline. Oh my goodness, yes. Offline, yeah. just let me know. I will yeah. more than happy make time to do that. And that's probably my biggest takeaway is just the kind of world that opened up to me. That remember I said about the the small fraternity that we had in the arson dog world. Yeah, and it was a it was a good small fraternity, and, and I loved it. But it was so different than the kind of other worlds of dogs and things like that, the agility world and that type of thing. And I'm like, okay. And then when this opened up to me, and I can't thank, like I said, Sarah Woodruff enough to yeah. to, yeah. to bring me into this, and then everybody else that has been such a big part. And, and what I love about it is that no matter where you come from. Uh-huh. Like every time you have whatever experience you have in, in from training to working with your dogs to just having fun with your dog and being a partner to your dog, these folks have just accepted me. I accepted them mm-hmm. and, and just not even accepted. It's just that we have so much in common that it's just a joy to go to trials and go to training and just talk. Like I said, just talking. I mean, it went past the couple hours that we spent here went so fast. It's not even funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We could talk dogs forever. For real. And just and it just shows that I mean the people that that do this, I had a job in doing it. You guys do it for the fun of it. And, and I just I just think that's the greatest thing in the world is just experiencing that part and just uh, you guys go and volunteer and volunteer your time to make these trials happen. And and the trials would not be anywhere near what successful they were if the people that volunteer uh, weren't there. So just this world that has opened up to me that all you folks have kind of made over the years that I thankfully became part of is my biggest takeaway that I, I just, now my, my golden years are set. What are you going to do when you retire? You know, that, that's the thing you're going to, you were so busy here. What are you going to do when you retire? I'm like, everything canine. So it's not even going to be, I, I, it's just a love. We uh-huh. all share yeah. that our pups and, and, and like I said, watching people, that's another thing I see is that the watching people learn from other dogs, working mm-hmm. and other handlers working and taking the time. That's how I always learned a lot. And I, like I said, as a judge or when I teach, I say, go volunteer and just 
be a timer, be a steward. You can watch dogs and you, you're like, hey, my dog does that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You learn so much from watching other dogs, other handlers. And it's just like I said, there's no, anybody that says that they are an expert or a thing, it's an endless field of thing. When you're yes. dealing with another yeah. living being that has a lot of decision-making, you can't write the book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just learn from everything. And it's hope, hopefully you have the experience or experience something that you can kind of decipher what they're doing so you can make adjustments. So, yeah. yeah. If people you. want to find you, I know we have judges Facebook that we can link people to. Is there any other places? You can always, uh, my Facebook is on there. Okay. You know, I will send, if you want to, Stacy. I can send mm-hmm. you my email address. People can email me whatever. Okay, great. If they have questions about something, I'm more than happy to answer anything I can. If I can't find it, if I don't know the answer, I will find it or get you to the right person to find Wonderful. it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Because like I said, the, the whole bomb dogs, I, I know a little bit about them. You know, uh-huh. the squad, <laughs> I know a little bit about what they do and how they work. Yeah. Probably on more on the, the resulting end of it, right? But anyway, sorry, bomb dogs after it goes off with the... After it goes off? Yeah. Well, they still... Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully nope. they never... Uh, yeah. Hopefully they don't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that whole part of it, they, they like said all detector dogs kind of work the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You know, it's it's the the bite work and, and that type of stuff that I'm very unfamiliar with. So right. that would be like, I'll get you to a person that knows about that stuff. Right. <laughs> the bite suit once, it's not fun. <laughs> that's my area. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So that's your area. Yeah. No, no, that's, that is totally yeah. not my area. I love watching them. I mean, we had kind of like a, she had some Maui in her, but I love watching them. I love watching them work. But like I said, that, that would be one of those things that I would be like, okay, this goes to Crystal. <laughs> exactly. I'll sit there and listen because I can learn. <laughs> listen to that idiot over there that likes to yeah. get bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we really appreciate all the time you spent with us. We want to also say, if we kind of share with the rest of our listeners out there, the same sentiments is to go have fun, be a great partner with your dog. And I really heard that you want people to accept others into the training and into the trial experience because that's what it's all about. And for everyone to go share the love that they have with their dogs and to go share the love with their dogs. So that's our message. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much for uh, having me here. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Canine Detection Collaborative. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to K9DetectionCollaborative.com. That's K9DetectionCollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.